John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have access. Entry 445-2T0413. Certificate number 29342. Extremely overdue library books. You took this book out in 1971. Yes, and I returned it in 1971. Yeah, 71. That was my first year on the job. Bad year for libraries. Bad year for America. Hippies burning library cards. Abby Huffman telling everybody to steal books. I don't judge a man by the length of his hair or the kind of music he listens to. Rock was never my bag. But you put on a pair of shoes when you walk into the New York Public Library, fella. Look, Mr. Bookman. You have a young daughter, John. Do you guys avail yourself of your local public lending library? We do. We taught my daughter to use the library when she was very young. She loves it there. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed for myself because I stopped using the library at a certain point. When I stopped... Like when you turned nine? Or... Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I used it until I was an adult, but then I stopped consuming media. Um, because... That's, they haven't made any media. There's been no new content for the uh, last 30 years. So lucky me, yeah. Your timing was perfect. No, my, my inner life is such a, a rainbow uh, that going to the library just confuses me, but my daughter loves it there. This is your plug for reading. Why read books when you can close your eyes and see the dreamscape that is John Roderick's inner visions? That's right. I live in a seven-sided lighthouse made of dreams, and why, I, I never come down. I just I pull my food up on a string. And in that world, who needs P.D. James mysteries, right? <laughs> right. My kids go to the library all the time. Well, I know you're a library. I mean, it's kind of your brand, right? Library guy? <laughs> it's my brand. Yeah. Yeah, library guy. It's my yeah, secret library. identity. My mom uh, was an elementary school librarian for many years. So I was not wrong. It is and your I, brand. Yeah, it's it's, a, your, it's, it's your, not just my brand, it's my birthright. It's on your family crest. It's right? on my chromosomes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a pretty firm believer in the fact that, you know, reading to kids is maybe the one thing you can do to change their outcome for the better. Um, so I made sure we always read bedtime stories to the kids and, you know, brainwashed them into libraries from a young age. Were you worried about the outcome of your children? Did you, did you feel like you needed to tip the scales a little bit, put a finger on the scales by reading to them? Has anybody ever had a child and not been like, serial killer, what are the odds? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> what, what can I do? You have to kind of wonder, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, if there's any little thing I can do, like if reading 11 minutes of Narnia tonight lowers the serial ki killer odds by like half of a percent, I'll do it, I got time. 
anyone who's had a kid knows that they all manifest as serial killers from the very beginning. Right. And it's, it's only when they get to be about seven or eight that you start to feel confident, like, okay, she's not going to eat my face if I fall asleep. My, my kids have kind of aged out of public libraries, which makes me sad, but they were very into, you know, I would take my daughter to the library for years and she would have to get a couple books and six Archie comics and uh, puppets. They were lending, like, uh, stuffed animal puppets and no, DVDs not okay. and Broadway soundtracks. <laughs> Whoever I, whose well, idea that was. What would possibly be the downside of passing stuffed animals around to thousands of area children? Just say puppet lending library and then <laughs> just let it percolate in your mind. Puppet lending library and Spinal Tap. <laughs> no, it's Spinal Tap and puppet lending library. So my kids always loved libraries, but the problem as a parent is the kids are terrible at keeping track of Library books. Right. Have you ever lost a library book? Oh, we had this problem so much because her school library also, we got an email from her school library every two days about some book that, some, you know, fancy Nancy book that had gone missing. And she could never remember. And she had three backacks. So she had her backack, then she had her second backack, and then her third backack. And they were in... Could you guys not afford the letter P in your... (laughs) My, my, my family always drops or adds an extra letter to every word. Welcome to our back act. Notice there's no P in it. <laughs> Which is what you want. Ding. Uh, Forgot the but, bells. But, uh, but I could never figure out what her... She had a rotation system of, of uh, backpacks. Like, she knew which one was, was the current one. And I think it was that she only ate half her lunch. And so she wanted the moldy lunch to kind of have a chance to, to you know, find its way around the living room before it, it got... You don't want to out. rotate a few days' worth of lunches. Nice. So I could never find her fancy Nancy's. What, what, did you have a system? You must have had a system. That seems... We, we try to have a system, but, the, you know, kids will buck any system. This is the shelf on your room that's for library books. Please, for the love of God, keep your library books on the shelf. It's super easy. Then we'll take them back to the library. You can get more books. It's the principle of how libraries work. And they, they could not do it. So you, you wind up in this cycle of a nervously renewing stuff, hoping it turns up. The kid in me is totally rebelling against your plan right now. <laughs> Why does there have to be a shelf? I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> I'm just hiding him behind the toilet just to frustrate you. <laughs> it felt like that was what was going on. Do you think I had too high, tight a grip on the library card? Should I have just let them be kids? Speaking as your co-podcaster, I would not say a tight grip was really one of the things that... <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that I thought of when I think of you. Uh, they, uh, so they lose things, and you get, you, know, you get these reminders from the library like it's the crown jewels. And, and maybe it's only 10 cents a day or a quarter a day or whatever your library system is. But the fines can add up, especially with kids. You know, an adult will like, check out one paperback, take a couple weeks to read it, either return it on time or not, pay 30 cents if they were late, and get their next paperback. But a child will have to get her seven fancy Nancy books and her Archie comics and her Broadway soundtracks. And, you know, your kids would want to have 20 things at once. And was, so if a week goes by, if you miss going to the library for a week, that's 20 times 10 times 7, and it's 14 bucks. $14. 14 American dollars. And they come at you like it's the crown jewels. I was working my way through the Hardy Boys, right? So... I would read three of them, but I would need to get to the next three, even though they're not telling a story that no. you can read them in any order. Did but you I, not know you could read them in any order? Well, no, I just, I, I felt like... And, you, you thought know, Chet was going to die at some point. The, they do, you know, their characters do evolve over oh, time, right? A ton, I mean, a ton. If you, if you were reading Archie's from the 50s to the present, you would see that the, the standard there in Riverdale has changed quite a bit, but... 
and then I made it all the way through the, uh, the Hardy Boys, and I went through the Nancy Drews, and then I went through the Encyclopedia Browns. You know, I had, I, like, had a plan. It was systematic. But I think kids today, <laughs> with their multitude of choices, you know, when I was a kid, we only had the Bible and Shakespeare. This is the weirdest... <laughs> This is the weirdest Kids Today riff I've ever heard. <laughs> Millennials are reading Encyclopedia Brown out of order. <laughs> the whole reason we are like we are is that all we had was a set of encyclopedias, right? I mean, at a That's exactly point, right. You, you sit and read the World Book. You don't read that in order. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read World Book in alphabetical order? I started at Aardvark. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, lost books are a very real problem for uh, parents. And they're a very real problem for libraries, too, because they want to keep their catalog intact. They don't want people waltzing out with stuff. Right. So libraries will rescind the borrowing privileges of people who don't return books. But there's this whole genre of news stories that you've probably seen. It's just newspaper filler about books that are returned comically late. Uh, there's never any story if a book is not returned. You know, It's never like, this book is 300 years overdue. It's always... Somebody died, and in their estate sale or house clearance or whatever, or a nephew found the book and returned it to the library. And I, this is like my favorite kind of news. In my opinion, 100% of news coverage should be extremely overdue library books. <laughs> this is extremely my jam. <laughs> the titles are funny because they're old-timey books. There was a case in Lawrence, Kansas, where a book was returned after being 21 years overdue. It's called The Versatile Grain and the Elegant Bean, a celebration of the world's most healthful foods. And I love to imagine somebody just reading that for 21 years, you know, like... Well, they needed to refer to it over and over, sure. right? The, the book about the bean and the grain, get it down. It's like the Tao Te Ching. It, re it reveals something new every time you, every time you open it. Um, in Danville, Kentucky, uh, this book was overdue so long that uh, it predates written records. So we know it's at least 150 years overdue when returned. The ancient history of the Egyptians, Carthaginians, Assyrians, Babylonians, Medes, and Persians, Macedonians, and Grecians, volume two. Volume one apparently returned in a timely manner. Uh, I wonder how much, you know, those books like that, how much has the scholarship on ancient cultures changed from 1850 to the present? I've had the experience of trying to find a book in my library that I remember from being a kid, and every book I read as a kid is out of print because I'm in my 40s. Libraries do not keep old books around getting moldy. So, but, but also, that library is still extant, the library in Danville, Kentucky. Didn't we burn Danville, Kentucky during the Civil War? <laughs> is there nothing left? Didn't they rebuild it all in, like, modernism? 150 years, right. If this is a story from the early 2000s, that would have been antebellum library books. Right. Yeah, exactly. Why did we let this book survive? How did survive? Sherman leave that library standing? <laughs> There are cases where, uh, this is exactly to your point, uh, in 2011, a book was returned to an Australian library that was checked out in 1889, a, a copy of Insectivorous Plants by Charles Dickens. Insectivorous. I believe it's Insectivorous. That's awesome. But it sounds wrong, right? Insectivorous. Insectivorous Plants. And so this book, checked out in 1889, so long ago that Australia was not a country when the book originally came off so the shelf. So they needed to take it back to England, exactly. where it was actually overdue. <laughs> Please find some other crown penal colony. It was a prison library, basically, when they checked it out. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was uh, Andy Dufresne pushing his cart. <laughs> One of my favorite titles, this is from a... Uh, in 2014, this is a, a book that was returned to some American library. Ideal Marriage, It's Physiology and Technique. 
What, what was the publication date of that book? It looks like it's a very early Random House book. I'm looking at the cover, 40s or 50s, I think. Yeah. So we can only assume that it's physiology and technique means this is a sex manual, right? Sex manual. Well, and that was the dawn of sex education. Kind but, of, right? but you had to call sex books ideal marriage. Ideal marriage. That was the naughtiest thing they could think of back then. <laughs> oh, when I see the words ideal marriage on a book cover, get a little excited. Uh, and this was returned by the uh, son-in-law of the original uh, borrower. And when the library asked, what happened to this guy who had this ideal marriage book for 55 years? He found it under his mattress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want this book anymore. Like, uh, No, the, the son-in-law confirmed that the borrower's first marriage did, in fact, fail. Oh. He had ideal marriage, it's physiology and technique, for 55 years. And he was still struggling on his technique, I guess. <laughs> or her physiology, <laughs> possibly. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout you know my mom bought me one of those like joy of sex sort of uh learn about sex books in lieu of talking to me about sex? Last year. Which is, yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was like, your relationships don't seem to work out. Have you, do you know all the things you need to know? Which one was it? I'm kind of a connoisseur of these. Was it the one with the little cartoon It was all collage cartoons. babies? It was cartoons. Uh, but no, it was about like your body and sex. It's changing, John. Uh, my body has changed. <laughs> but I, I was so embarrassed by this book, so embarrassed to have it, I never opened it or looked at it. I put it in the bottom of, not the top of my closet, in the bottom of my closet, underneath a bag, underneath some shoes, because it was talking about sex and I was so just like horrified, not terrified, although also terrified, but horrified <laughs> that there was all these like sexy, ah. sexy people with pubic hair in this, like drawings of them in this book. You did well, not want drawings of armpit and pubic no, hair. do not pleasure oneself or one's friend around me. <laughs> That's a good rule, actually. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell this story, but we, we took our daughter to her, um, you know, whatever they call it, a puberty and maturation class or whatever. They do these at Seattle Children's Hospital. Have you heard about this? No. It's sex ed with your parents, and it's really caught on. So I, had to, I had to take my son to this nightmare of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turned out all his friends were going, so we had to hang out with his friends and their weird dads. We had to go get, we had to go get burgers at the mall first. And then my, my wife took my daughter, uh, my daughter to this uh, puberty class, and she comes home with this book, which is called something like, Will Puberty Last Forever? <laughs> is that what kids are worried about? <laughs> I hope this doesn't last forever. I'm going to have so much, like if the hair keeps coming in at this rate, 
<laughs> so I'm uh, painting a mural on my daughter's wall, and I find this book behind her shelf. Will puberty last forever? Yeah. And I put it back up top. And the next day, I come back to, fin to work more on the mural. It's a, little, it's a runner of grass and clouds. I come back to work on the mural more. The book is back behind the shelf. <laughs> Put it back up. The third day I come back, it's back behind the shelf in the same place. I was like, Caitlin, you know I'm painting grass and clouds on your wall. I'm behind the shelf every day. Can you please stop putting will puberty last forever right where I'm trying to paint? And she says exactly what you just said. She yeah. said, but it's, I don't want it on my shelf. Like the psychic load of having that on her shelf next to her Nancy Drews was killing her. Well, it was the psychic load also of knowing that your mother had put it there and wanted you to read it. <laughs> I just couldn't bear it. But then she did a very interesting thing, which is she bought a Playboy and a Playgirl. Oh, and let and, you choose. And tucked them it's, in. It's like when they have a new Dalai Lama and you have to like. <laughs> you have to, there's two magazines on the floor. Which one would I hide? Which one will he crawl toward? Uh, no, she tucked them in between the encyclopedias. Oh. And just left them there. And when I found them, which wasn't long, I honestly had no idea how they got there and was like, the porn fairy came. <laughs> and I, I, was, I felt like I had found them like a, like a prospector. <laughs> and, and, and they were like, what was I thinking? Of course. But she was just like, well, I mean, he's not going to do, I'm just going to have to put these in the encyclopedias. <laughs> this is one of the weirdest parenting gambits I have ever heard of. And the playgirl just coincidentally happened to be the one with Burt the Reynolds. The Reynolds one! With Burt Reynolds. No. Wow. And so I actually went through a phase where I would put, take the Burt Reynolds centerfold. I had a cowboy hat. <laughs> I would take my clothes off and I would lay on the bed, put the cowboy hat on, covering my area and just try and ex get exactly the posture <laughs> of like cool bearskin rug, like confidence and that's been my one move ever since <laughs> did you ever tell your mom how she changed your life no she i mean i don't know i, I think i was probably 27 before i thought wait a minute <laughs> mom we're a plant mom put those there <laughs> so you have never actually confirmed with your mother that she did in fact put them between them well, no one else farms. ever came into our home she's a total introvert it's not like you know <laughs> Even the guy that came to fix the refrigerator, like, we all had to leave. I'm imagining your mom like Frances McDormand in Almost Famous. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, she didn't quite have this. She wasn't quite as sassy. She, mom was a little bit more reserved. One time she had two glasses of wine, and it shook our family to the foundation. <laughs> we, we still talk about February 8th, 1978. Um... There's one other case where the library wasn't even there anymore, and I just like it because of the book. In 1934, somebody checked out a Victorian socialist romance about a vicar and his daughters called Master of Men, which I kind of want to read now, right? Right. I would read a Victorian socialist romance about a vicar with three sexy daughters. Sounds pretty woke. Uh, <laughs> somebody checked it out in 1934, and by the time somebody found it in 2013, after I'm sure the original borrower's death or their next of kin's death or whatever happened, the library had shut down. So what do you even do with it? What, what, what did they do with it? It's homeless. It's an extra book in the universe. It's Britain, so I'm sure they gave it to their county council or something oh, we right, don't right, have. Right. And they had to figure out what to do with it. And gave it to the public health. An extra vicar. 
So now you keep mentioning all these books that are returned after many, many decades, but what about the fines? These fines should be paying for, for you know, this, should, this could be the new Carnegie <laughs> Library system. Just. In all these cases, I think the borrower has died, right? Right. Do you feel this debt should carry on to their next of kin? <laughs> Grandpa's inheritance is well, how you have to pay all his overdue library books from the 40s. How do we feel about contemporary Germany's responsibility for World War II? Exactly. Exactly. Right? Some reparations need to be paid. It's not, you, know, you don't want to be the white person who's like, I never owned slaves, so <laughs> I'm good. The thing about it is grandfather read that book over and over and imparted that cultural heritage to the children who have benefited from it. What if he and did not? They need to pay back. What if you can demonstrate that Grandpa never mentioned the elegant bean? Well, I'll see you in, <laughs> I'll see you in court. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a winning argument. No, you're right. In many of these cases, people do pay. Now, the library rarely says, that's great, you owe 2,600 quid or whatever the Leicester County Library was owed. But in many cases, the people returning the book will volunteer the money. Um, in 2013, uh, someone retur anonymously returned the real book about snakes to a public library in Urbana, Ohio, which had been checked out in 1972. So for 41 years, this library was down one very dated natural history guide <laughs> about insectivorous snakes. And when they returned it, they enclosed it with the very precise fine of $299.30. They had done the math. If the fine is two cents a day for 41 years, and uh, they, they attached a note saying, sorry, I kept this book so long, but I'm a very slow reader. My, my apologies. So apparently it was worth $299 to them to do this joke. I, I, I cannot think of a more eloquent description of who uses public libraries <laughs> than someone who would voluntarily pay a $299 fine in order to make a dad joke. And they're telling, they're telling their friends, they're like, get this, get this. I just found this book. Guess what I'm going to do? I bet they were crouched in the bushes, peering in the library window, <laughs> waiting for the librarian to open it. Uh, in uh, 2002, one Emily Canelo Sims of Urbana, Illinois, discovered, or sorry, Kewanee, Illinois, discovered a copy of Days and Deeds, an old-timey book of children's poetry. I'm sure very instructive children's poetry. Days and Deeds De nuts? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. I, was a, I was a rock musician for a long time. Yes. And this old-timey book of children's poetry is called Days and D's Nuts. Just, Isn't that weird? They're just habits of the mind that I can't shake. Uh, no, Days and Deeds. Oh, Deeds. Deeds. Things that are accomplished. It was originally due April 15th, 1955, but undeterred, uh, Emily Canella Smith returned it in 2002 uh, with a check for $345. She, she did the math and I maybe felt bad. Maybe it was weighing on her soul that... Uh, she did the math, but didn't the fines increase over time? I mean, is she just paying 1955 fines? Right. And because the fines increase. You would have to know every date on which the fines increase to actually yeah. do the math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that seems like, again, something that a library person might, <laughs> might do, an actuarial table. Let me suggest a workaround. What if you find out what the original fees were in 1955 and then just use the consumer price index? Could do. To calculate inflation. Or you could find the original fines, the current fines, and then, you know, make a slope, some, some kind of... Uh, it's just, it's occurring to slope. me that you actually need calculus, I think. You may need calculus to solve this problem. Just to find the area under the curve just of exactly. the fine. Find how much to pay back the Kiwani, Illinois Public Library. 
Most people do not pay the fine. Um, in some cases, because it's forgiven. In some cases, libraries will declare an amnesty, which is hilarious to me, you know? Because usually an amnesty is like, bring in your stolen guns, bring in your illegal radar detector. If you're stealing cable, you know, amnesties are for actual, actual crooks. I get rid of stolen guns that way all the time. Is that what you do? Yeah. Do you, do you know the amnesty. It's like everybody else is waiting for the Uniqlo sale. You're waiting for the yearly gun amnesty. So you can be like, well, I don't know how this room filled up since last year. I've, but I keep finding these guns in the garden. <laughs> in 2013, a library in Warwick, England, declared a eight-day amnesty for all fines. And a 50-year overdue copy of The Adventures of Pinocchio appeared during the amnesty. You can imagine how it must have been weighing on somebody's mind. Like, I, can't, I just can't return this. They, they knew it was there. That's the thing. <laughs> right. They were... They're waiting for the perfect moment to get off scot-free. Uh, the funny thing is they, it was all for naught. It turns out the library had capped fines at like five or six pounds. Oh. So the person could have turned it in at any time. It's a little lesson there, a little O. Henry story about guilty consciences and whatnot, I think. The most common case, of course, is the fine that gets forgiven, because um, often because it's a, it's a news story and the libraries love the publicity. Right. And they look like nice guys if they say, there was a $3,800 fine, but you know what? Go with God. We're going to knock that down. <laughs> right. It's like Bob Barker. <laughs> Let's deal. Let's make a deal. Actual retail price of the book. Um, on October 5th, 1789, an essay on international affairs called The Law of Nations was checked out from the New York Society Library. And in 2010, an audit by that library discovered it was still missing. They also found out that the borrower was one George Washington. <laughs> I guess they have the little card, you know? The little card really? that goes into the sleeve. Yeah, so George Washington had checked out this book in 1789. Typical, I won't, I won't tell a lie, but he, he never returns the book. The thing is, there's some family in Virginia that's like, this was George Washington's. <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah. Well, the thing that happened is the first place they asked was Mount Vernon. And Mount Vernon is like, oh, yeah, we totally have the book. Like, really? Yeah, unlike my daughter, he had a shelf, I guess. And he, <laughs> he left the book there. That is the greatest story. I've, that's the greatest story ever told. That's, that's better than Christmas. Thank you, John, for hype. John's my hype man on, uh, on library overdue finds. Yo, yo. <laughs> 210 years. Whoop, what up? Whoop, whoop. Whoop. I don't know, that, that kind of makes my heart sing a little bit, that, that they could tie that missing book to that card, to George Washington, to find the book, like, that gives me the sads. And what do you but, want? But they're the happy sads. What do you, you want know? to happen? Do you want Mount Vernon to keep the book? Yes. Mount I want Mount Vernon to keep the book, the library to keep the card, <laughs> and for the, for the strings of time to sing between the two, like, to pluck oh. the strings of time, it feels like time is a flat circle. Well, it's only a flat circle if... Uh, Thank you. It would only be a flat circle if uh, the library had also stolen something from George Washington. Like they and you proved they didn't. They had, yeah. <laughs> Those false teeth could be anyone's. Think about, well, think about this. George Washington spent the rest of his life knowing he had purloined a book from the New York Society Library. And that's what killed him. And the library, gradually, his teeth rotted away. He, like... He suffered, I bet. I, I bet he suffered for that. Martha would, of a night, see him leaning over a desk in wherever the presidential mansion was. I need to return that book. And she'd be like, why does he keep saying The Law of Nations, Volume 5, in his sleep, you know? Well, uh, that's, a fa that's like a book that maybe played a role in the founding of our great nation. Sure. I mean, maybe he's a huge nerd and it's pleasure reading, but presumably it's a policy thing, right? 
Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n.com slash start so the library did the math uh if you have a book for 220 years or whatever it adds up. That's a $300,000 fine. So they were charging in today's even money. in 1789? I guess they would have had... A, yeah, I, I assume that right. uh, they're going, dating back to whatever the original fine would have been and starting then. But the library was kind enough to forgive the fine. Right. Mount Vernon was not assessed a $300,000 fee. Now let me ask you, do you, you have a pretty extensive library. I've, I've pawed through it. Most of it is Marvel Comics. <laughs> but do you know... The origin of Galactus? Yes. No. <laughs> He comes from another universe. I do not want to hear it. His name was Galen. No, no, no. His spacecraft was sucked into a big crunch. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Sorry, what was your question? Do you know if you have a library book in your library that you never took back? That's a good question. So most of our library find stories, again, have come through the kids. Right. And there have been many cases where they lost a book, and then what do you do? If you go in and pay it, the library will be like, this is kind of a hassle. So once my daughter lost a book, I immediately went in and paid it. And when I found the book, they had to bring out a, a cardboard box and count out change, like an elementary school book sale. Right, they don't keep money at To the reimburse me. No, they're above, they're above these kind of well, it's base like one pursuits. one of the fundamental principles of a library that you don't have to pay money. Librarian has less than $40. <laughs> but you're hiding behind your kids. Do you, Ken Jennings, have a library book that you checked out and never took back. I don't believe so. But my beef with the library is, on a different occasion, having remembered them counting out the change, the next time that I, I just marked a book overdue uh, online instead of going to, the instead of going to the desk, and it assessed me, you know, you now owe $18 or whatever, and I, I said, okay, fine. I'm going to find the book, and I'm going to bring it in, and this will go away. So I find the book, and I bring it in, and they're like, okay, let's see, your late fee is going to be the maximum. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, uh, I marked it lost. And they were like, yes, but you never went in and paid it. And I said, well, of course I didn't. If I'd paid it, you were going to have to bring out that box again. I just, you know, knew I'd produce the book instead. And she's like, well, no, you didn't pay it. You still have an outstanding debt. You need to pay the maximum late fee. Because, you know, librarians have a very small little world. They like to exercise as much control as possible. Well, don't slag off the librarians. If you lose your ticket at the airport parking garage, you pay the maximum fee. Fair you don't enough. come up and say, like, oh, I was only here for four hours. I was trying to do them a favor. I did not want the bake sale box to come out again. So I said, okay, no problem. Once you give me the book back, I will go pay the $18 on the terminal over there. And then when I give it to you, I owe you nothing, right? And she was like, yes, but I can't do it. And I said, why? And she said, well, I already checked it in just now when you handed it to me. And I said, no, I am taking that book back. So I took the book back and I went home and now we have that book. 
That's the only library contraband in my house. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a spite book, basically. You stole it. it is. It's not overdue. I paid the $18, and now I get my spite book, and I'm very happy with it. I read it all the time. I have two books that I can think of just offhand that I checked out from libraries and did not take back. One of them is The Hobbit. <laughs> did you know they sell this in stores? I, I have had many copies of it over the years, but I went to Gonzaga University at one point. And There's not a single woo for Gonzaga. No, no zags here? No. Anybody here went to, a, a, did anyone here go to a Catholic university? Very scattered applause. University of San Francisco, by any chance? There she is. They're still afraid that somebody's going to whack him with a ruler for, <laughs> for clapping in an auditorium. So Gonzaga had one of these beautiful copies of The Hobbit that had the original illustration. By Tolkien. By Tolkien on the front. And it was pretty ragged. And it was not an original printing, but it was an early one. And I checked it out. I fully intended to take it back. But then I was expelled from Gonzaga. <laughs> and expelled with extreme prejudice. Unrelated to Middle Earth. It had nothing, it had nothing to do with Middle Earth, although my seven-sided lighthouse full of dreams did play a role. <laughs> but no, Gonzaga said, go and do not come back. Do not darken our doors. And so I threw hastily threw everything into a few bags. Books, dirty clothes, like a pizza box with half of a pizza still in it and left Spokane under a cloud, and then later found the book among my things and uh, felt no obligation to return it to Gonzaga. <laughs> it's again, it's a spite book. And then the other book I have is um, Against Nature by Huysmans, A Rebours. Anyone? I'm not familiar. It's a French decadence book about a man who covers a tortoise with jewels. And it's a Baudelaire, Oscar like Wilde kind sniff, of a thing. Sniffs uh, laudanum out of a handkerchief. Is there absinthe in this book? There's tons of absinthe. Oh, I am and also, I think people are so... Uh, the, the, the protagonist is so decadent that he decadents himself to death somehow. It really comported with my worldview at a time. Cause of death. At a, decadence. Immediately after being expelled from Gonzaga, I was like, <laughs> if only I had a jewel-encrusted tortoise. And I took that book, I think, from the University of Washington Library, and I felt that returning it would be a violation of the code that the book expresses. <laughs> it wasn't Steal This Book by no, Abby Hoffman. It, but this is, the, this is the opposite of like a punk rock, like, steal this record. This was return this book or don't. <laughs> and the answer was clearly don't. You know, this reminds me, just last week I was talking to, I was backstage on the quiz show Jeopardy, and I was talking to, oh sorry, did I drop that? Really? You may, you may no, you, are you familiar with a little syndicated nightly quiz show called Jeopardy? Are you guys missing it right now? I was talking to a fellow Jeopardy contestant, and she had uh, worked on Capitol Hill for a while, and she wanted to get a, copy, a hold of these two books called something like Secrets of the Jeopardy Champions and How to Get on Jeopardy, and when they were unlicensed Jeopardy game show tips books, and she couldn't find them anywhere. So she went to, she was uh, some kind of congressional aide, she went to the Library of Congress, checked them out, and never returned them. Really? To, to this day, the Library of Congress is short to Jeopardy how-to books, and I just outed as the thief. 
I mean, now I'm opposed to that. I think, feel like the Library of Congress, that we should respect it as a repository of all... Are you opposed as a taxpayer? No, no, no. I just feel like there's got to be one Library of Alexandria that we don't burn. And I, I should think it would be that one. When she told me I had the same impulse and I, I've decided to donate copies, my copies of those books, to America. Like, you know, Thomas Jefferson or James Madison bequeathing yeah. their books to the nation. Have you, been to the, have you been to the Jefferson Library at the Library of Congress? So I don't know if I have. Jefferson's library, the, his actual books, are shelved in a replication of the sort of rotunda in Monticello. Nice. And uh, a lot of his books, I think, were lost in the burning of the Capitol building. That is correct. But there's still, uh, they still have the Jefferson Library there at the Library of Congress. It's a beautiful thing. Except so, for the, the Jeopardy section is kind of <laughs> a little thin. There's like one book and it's yeah. falling over. What happened? Uh, are, you, are you serious? You're going to take your Jeopardy, your, your uh, contraband Jeopardy books and give them to the library? Well, in 2020. I'm not giving them to, the, to a Trump regime. Oh. <laughs> uh, we all know these stories about library, you know, insane overdue library fines. I, you guys have seen stories of this kind, right? Like it's, it's, it's a common news trope. It's a Seinfeld episode, right? There's an episode where some Philip Baker Hall plays like a hard-bitten library cop who comes after Jerry and George for a book they never returned in high school. And again, this is the kind of thing where we know about this story because for hundreds of years, print media needed a certain kind of filler. So we know every time somebody falls into a zoo cage and we know every time a library book has an exorbitant fine. But there's actually a serious side to this story, which is uh, it disproportionately affects children because... They're the ones checking out most books and losing most books. And the fines can add up. There are American library districts where 35% of all the kids have had their cards revoked because they built up a $4 fine and never went back to the library. Or they built up a, you know, they lost a book and mom didn't have the 20 bucks. That seems short-sighted. To have the fines at all? Well, no. You have a child who is interested in books. That child is forgetful or... Disorganized. Yeah, another word for that is being a kid. Like. Uh, right. And your punishment is to deprive them of books. Exactly. That seems a little hard. There should be something else. Like, you should be punished like I was when I had to do community service in the library. Oh, is rather, that what happened? Rather than do three days in Anchorage City Jail for some trumped-up thing. <laughs> I had to spend I had to go spend my weekends at the library filing books for I don't it seemed like a long time and it was one of the best jobs I ever had. I was about to say that seems like a reward to me. Oh, it was so wonderful. I'm kind of angry you got to do that they, as a as a debt to society. They fill up a cart and then they just push you out and you just go into the stacks and put books away. <laughs> I mean, feel, just, can you feel it with me? Just like what is where does this book belong? Here, where does this book belong? All day, it was like better than jail. I had the, <laughs> I had the chance to alphabetize something for a few days uh, a couple months ago, and it was the best two days of my life. Like, Incredible. I, you know, I apologize. You know, the birth of my children was great, but like, have you ever alphabetized for two days? It's pretty awesome. <laughs> you self-selected this show. <laughs> 
You could have gone to a lot of, you could be at a rock club right now. We, we tackle the hard-hitting subjects that other podcasts will not touch. Um, but the New York Public Library did the math and found out they had half a million kids whose borrowing privileges had been revoked. So a lot of libraries are starting to think outside the box because of these exorbitant fees. The, the New York Public Library decided they would do an amnesty, a permanent amnesty on all kids' books. They just zeroed out all kids' books, problem solved. Other districts will forgive all fees if you donate to the food bank, you know. Oh. Bring in a bag full of cans of clam chowder and <laughs> and Hormel chili, expired <laughs> expired chili, expired tomato paste, and uh, your fines are forgiven you. And uh, honestly, for a lot of these places, they discover it's revenue neutral not even to have fines. The Snohomish County Library System, just north of Seattle, where we live, actually does not enforce fines. And once I asked them about this because I was feeling guilty about some book my kid had lost, right. and they said we've done the math and it, it would cost us more to monitor and collect on these than we would make on them. If, well, you, if you keep losing stuff, we'll, we'll block, put a block on your card. But nobody's, there's no cash amount ever. And Let's all go to the Snohomish <laughs> County Library now. Nobody has, Strip them dry. Nobody abused this. Nobody steal their Jeopardy books. <laughs> um, like Columbus, Ohio found that uh, they actually did lose $500,000 a year when they ended all library fines, but that was like 1% of their budget. Um, another system in northern Colorado found it was actually uh, revenue neutral to get rid of fines because they, they could get rid of their credit card fees and all their software for tracking fines. The Columbus, Ohio library budget is such that $500,000 is 1% of it? Five, 500000 is the, the, the Columbus, Ohio library $50 million, $50 million dollar budget? Wow. Go to their library. You need to start stealing first editions from, uh, <laughs> from Columbus, Ohio, I think. And that concludes Extremely Overdue Library Books. Entry 445.2T0413. Certificate number 29342 in the omnibus. That's the show. Part one.